Hey everyone, welcome to The You, the sister publication and podcast of The XC. I'm Alex Sear, and today I'm joined by Steve Boyd. Hang on, before we get into this conversation, we have to cover some background information. So Boyd is a coach at the Kingston-based club Physicult, which he founded in 2000. He also started coaching at Queen's University in 2010 and is actually the reigning U-Sports Women's Coach of the Year after the Queen's Women won the national title in 2019. He's also a coach of active Canadian runners Lindsay Tessier, Julianne Stolley, Colin Fewer, Emily Setlack, and Dylan Weiss. Today, in fact, he's joining me from the USA Olympic Marathon Trials in Atlanta, Georgia, coaching American runner Will Norris from the sidelines. Boyd has some time on his hands right now, as he was recently fired by Queen's University for speaking publicly and candidly about the University of Guelph's handling of former coach Dave Scott Thomas, who, according to Michael Doyle and the Globe and Mail, had groomed Megan Brown, one of his former athletes, Scott Thomas's former athletes, that is, for sex from the time she was 17. In December 2019, in the midst of Scott Thomas's leave of absence from the coaching staff at Guelph, rumors circulated around the reason for his departure. Boyd was vocal in a discussion on the tracky message boards, criticizing Guelph's lack of investigation and action around the situation. Leslie Dalchin, Queen's University's executive director of athletics, provided Boyd with a verbal warning. Boyd said, She said I couldn't talk about Dave Scott Thomas or the University of Guelph in any matter. I could think about it, and that's about it. Fast forward to February 10th. Two days after the allegations against Scott Thomas were published in the Globe and Mail, former University of Guelph athlete Robin Mildren posted on Facebook. Mildren says, It breaks my heart to think about some of the athletes whose careers did not survive negative experiences at Guelph and who never got the chance to fall in love with the sport again. She goes on to saying, The University of Guelph's women cross-country teams won 12 consecutive national titles and year after year, he, as in Dave Scott Thomas, was awarded Coach of the Year. On the same day, Boyd posted a comment. The position he presented was, had the administration of Guelph fired Dave in 2006, around the time the university allegedly investigated the topic for the first time, Scott Thomas would not have been able to build the dynasty that he did. So, should the Griffins lose their cross-country titles from 2006 to now? Should they be rescinded? A lot of athletes responded to that take. Um, Reed Coolsat, a former athlete at Guelph, said, Your notion to remove those titles is self-serving, seeing as Queens finished second to Guelph many times. It's actually disgusting that you're taking this opportunity for self-gain while we are trying to process this awful news. Former athlete Jen Dowling Medley said, We ran how we ran in spite of what happened to some of us. I think it would be a grave insult to me and many others to be deemed worthless a second time. After many comments, Queens fired him. The statement of Queens was that Boyd had repeatedly engaged in public commentaries that do not reflect the values expected by representatives of Queens University. To that, Boyd said, It took 13 years for Guelph to fire their coach for what he did, and it took two months for Queens to get rid of me for having an opinion about it. Boyd has a history of being outspoken online, posting frequently on Canada's running message board, Tracky, pretty much since he started coaching. Here, Steve tells us what he thinks about Queen's handling of the situation, what he would do differently if he had to post again, and he addresses certain people he thinks his comments might have hurt and offended. Later, 
we hear from first-year athlete at Queens who's been coached by Steve Boyd since he was in grade eight, Miles Brackenbury, leading his cross-country team's protest of Boyd's firing. So first, let's hear from Steve and then from Miles. All right, I am here with Steve Boyd. He is joining me from Atlanta. You have a coaching duty down there. So first of all, Steve, thanks a lot for joining. Uh, you have to be on the course uh, at the U.S. Uh, Marathon Olympic Trials in just about two hours. So appreciate you being here. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, thanks, Alex. I'm good. Uh, my pleasure to come on. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the action in a couple hours downtown Atlanta. Yeah. So I want to first take you through... Um, the chronology of all that's happened in the last two weeks. It's been a pretty crazy, it's been a pretty crazy two weeks for everyone. It's been a pretty crazy two weeks for you. Um, so I'm going to go through this, just the sequence of events and let you clarify uh, if there's anything that we have a bit off. Um, but uh, let's start, let's start in December. So you were heavily okay. involved in um, a discussion around Dave Scott Thomas um, since before Christmas on the running forum Tracky, uh, among other places, but mostly Tracky. Your main point of contention was that something happened in 2006 and that it was not given enough attention within the Guelph organization. Um, turns out you were right, and it was right. Many people had suspicions. And in that, um, you fueled a long forum on Tracky that ended up having over 30 pages, one of the longest forums uh, on that site. Um, and at one point, you were given a warning by Queen's University about your comments about coach Dave Scott Thomas. Um, what did that warning, that first warning consist of? Yeah. So, uh, I posted after the, after, after the revelation, the second allegation or the second complaint was, uh, of sexual harassment in nature. Um, I po I made a post where I posed two questions and they were, they, they boiled down to, um, did Guelph cover up the first uh, complaint in 2006? Turned out to be from Megan Brown um, because no one could recall that, that David ever been suspended, and he certainly, um, you know, certainly wasn't fired as they subsequently did when they found out the truth. Um, and what, were they in the process of preparing a second cover up around the second allegation in 2019, in fall 2019? Because that whole fall, um, just casually, we asked you know people where Dave was. He hadn't been in a meet since the Western Invitational in late September, um, and they said he was. They they were pretty explicit that it was a, it was a voluntary personal leave to deal with personal issues of divorce in particular. So, um, and that turned out not to be the case. So I posed the question: Was there a, were, were they preparing a second cover? Now, cover up is obviously a powerful word, um, you know, from from for political history and whatnot. Um, uh, but I, I think that I think it was well advised. In that case, it turns out to have been exactly the, almost the definition of the cover. So I posed those two questions on the forum. Uh, I think about three days later, and about I think three four days before the, the Michael story came out in the Globe, which I guess we'll talk about in a second. Um, I got called in by my AD, athletic director, uh, to talk about that post, and she said, "This is inappropriate. You cannot discuss uh, matters that are happening at other universities." And among other things, she said. Um, the current administrations had nothing to do with that. That was 13 years ago, et cetera, et cetera. And said, yeah, but there was a second allegation. Should you have no right to speculate on that? These things take a long time to, to investigate. Um, you know, it could easily have just been they were investigating. And I said, well, it turns out when I found out that uh, about 2006, they fired him in 24 hours. So, and if that had been on his record, a uh, similar complaint in 06, you'd think that he would have been, you know, the, the investigation wouldn't have taken as long as it had. 
so it, the discussion kind of went back and forth like that. And she said, okay, you cannot comment on this story in any form. Uh, you can't talk to the media. If you get a call from the media, you need to contact me and marketing communications at Queens and we'll set up a call and we'll, and we'll plot a strategy. But in the meantime, you cannot post on tracking. You cannot talk to the media. Uh, so I walked out of the office with that, with that instruction. Uh, and then the article came out on the Saturday following that. So that's, that's phase one sort of. Okay. So the article comes out on Saturday and I think most of our mm -hmm. listeners have heard at least heard about the article or read the article um, did reveal that Megan Brown, one of Dave Scott Thomas, former athletes was being groomed for sex um, from the time that she was a high schooler training under him. A uh, few days mm -hmm. later, um, Robin Mildren, a former athlete at Guelph posted on Facebook and you were perhaps the first commenter on that post. And I was, I was the first person to comment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then after that you were, briefed by Queen's University again. I was, yeah. So we don't go into the details of that thread, uh, but yeah, I was the first person to comment. I was kind of riffing off of uh, the final couple lines of her post wherein she says, perhaps we shouldn't take uh, you know, our victories as seriously as we do. Perhaps we should look a little bit more about the journey and how we get there and so on and what, and the, what the cost is. So I was kind of riffing off of that. So anyway, so that I make those comments. There's a long, a long discussion and ensues. Um, you know, uh, not very constructive in many places and stuff, but I, mostly I'm just trying to clarify what I, you know, the statements I made in the, in the, in the first post of the thread. Um, so yeah, I'm called in, uh, to another meeting with my AD, but this time, uh, human resources there from Queens and men, not from Queens athletics. And they say, and my AD says, you, you violated our agreement about not commenting on this story. And I said, I didn't talk to the media or post. I was in, you know, she did, my AD actually doesn't know how Facebook works. She literally is not on Facebook and doesn't know how it works. So I have to explain to her that when someone, a Facebook friend of mine posts and so on, I get like a little invitation below to comment on it. It's like a literally discussion between people. Um, and if I weren't a Facebook friend, I wouldn't see it. So um, she said, yeah, but that still counts as commenting on the story to the media or, or publicly. I said, well, it's sort of semi-public. Not everyone saw that. The algorithms determine kind of who sees it, and the network is determined by you know Facebook friends and friends of friends. So she said, "Okay, um, that counts. Um, you know, you shouldn't have done that." And now um, this was a Thursday, I think, the 12th of February, just before I went to Boston. Um, she said, "Okay, um, you need to understand that this includes anything, and, and it's forever. So it's uh, you can't you can't write an email to somebody about this. You can't leave a voicemail. Anything that that would that would record that you have made a comment on this story." Uh, and I said, I said jokingly, can I think about it? Can I have thoughts about it? And they looked at me like they didn't get the question. Um, and I said, I laughed and they didn't laugh. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I left with that understanding. And I, I said, look, if you want to discuss whether this is right or wrong, I'm happy to do that. But I do understand how the power works here. You've drawn a line and I have a choice about whether I cross it or not. And for the sake of my athletes, I won't, I will not cross this line. Uh, so this was the, the 12th of February. I left the office. She said, uh, safe travels to Boston, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I went to Boston, we had a great weekend and she, but she said, just as I was leaving, um, I want a follow-up meeting next week. I said, well, I don't see what there is to follow up on. I've drawn a pretty clear line and I don't tend to cross it. She said, no, but I really want to have a follow-up meeting next week. So we got back from Boston. I got a couple of emails saying, you know, when can you meet? You need to nail down a time. I couldn't make it until the Wednesday. Um, I, so I booked for the Wednesday for the meeting, um, and then Wednesday morning at 9.30, I find out that my team has been summoned to a meeting for exactly the same time, 12 o'clock. And uh, 
I'm not allowed. I, I ask, I get texts from my athletes saying that we can call this meeting. What's it about? I email my AD and my high performance director and say, what's going on? You're calling my athletes to a meeting. I have a meeting at the same time. Uh, silence. I know exactly what's happening at this point. They're going to fire me. So I go in and um, we have this meeting and, and it's, it, I have it recorded, which is, which I'm told is legal. One party can say in Canada. So I have a recorded where I ask, is this about the Guelph stuff? Is this about the Guelph stuff? And she says, at one point, yes, uh, we have had a lot of complaints and we're still getting complaints, to which I replied, but I haven't said anything. I met our agreement. And she says quite clearly on the tape, yes, you complied, but we're going to do this anyway. The, the comments, um, they caused a lot of controversy when they happened. People got upset. There were some spats online. And then mm. in, a, in, in the next three or four days, you kind of went from from villain to victim in the first sense you got fired and i think that surprised a whole lot of people in the running community and then fast forward three or four and we'll get into that but fast forward three or four days um saturday friday saturday is the oua championship at york it seemed like most people who were opposed to your views online or at least oppose your decision to share your views even found that your punishments didn't fit the crime so um in the york incident um kind of added to the public reaction of, of, geez, we're cracking down on this guy. So day one, you drive from Kingston. Uh, you're there as a spectator, um, officially, because you're not there as a coach. You have athletes competing for OUA medals. One of your athletes wins the 1500, uh, Mitch DeLang. And mm -hmm. most people know this now, but you were escorted out of the field house by your campus security. And they had a bit um, of... Was it, was it campus security? Yeah, so initially it wasn't. There was no security involved at first. It was the York AD, and she approached me in the middle of the women's 3,000 fasty where I had an athlete, uh, I think where I had two athletes, no, just one. Uh, and she said, I need to talk to you. And I said, well, I can't, I'm here just to watch this race, these races, and there would be no point in me being here if I turned around and talked to you. But as soon as this is over, we'll chat. And she was very adamant that we chat right away, and she's standing right by my shoulder. Uh, and then as soon as it's over, I said, okay, I have a few minutes. She takes me out into the, into the hallway and says, your, your presence is not welcome here. We've had complaints from, uh, Guelph parents and athletes to which I reply, I have athletes here too, uh, who I've, who have requested I be here. And I promised, uh, to be here for, um, can't we balance their concerns if they have concerns with, with my, with the concerns of my athletes. And she said, no. Uh, a decision has been made. Um, I said, well, who made it? And she said, uh, well, I made it. And I said, well, you know, um, I don't, I don't, ex I don't accept it. I plan to watch these races. So I went back inside. Um, and next thing you know, there's New York security behind me. Um, and they say, you have to leave. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to leave in like six and a half minutes. Like we're, we're into the fast, the men's section at this point, the men's 3000. Um, and I said, I'm just not going to go. And they said, we're going to have to take it to the next step. And I said, well, what would that be? This is all on tape, too. Yeah, this is on And they said, we're going to call the police. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I said, you know what? Go for it, but I'm going to be out of here in six and a half minutes. So technically, I wasn't escorted out. If I, if I had a, if I had complied, I would have been escorted out, but I didn't. And then as soon as the men's 3000 was over, I just, I just left through the side door, mm -hmm. and that was that. So I don't think the police were ever called. I'm not sure they, they, they would have been or they would have responded. Because it turns out that the gallery at York University is a public property, even when the facility is booked. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of embarrassing. And she kept claiming that there were, you know, people complaints have been made, but then a prior decision had been made as well. So I said, which is it? Were there complaints, or did you decide to bar me before I even got here? And she wasn't clear about it, and just kind of said, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter what you think. I say you need to leave. It's private property. She kept repeating it was private property. Uh, and I wasn't sure at that point whether it was, whether the gallery was or not, or whether the whole thing was, you know, when it was booked. 
so anyway, so there's a bit of confusion there. So that's so that's I left. I did get to see the races, and I, I left out the side door, and off we went. And then on day two, you went back, and there seemed to be no complaints. Things were okay on the second day. I think they realized that that they took a lot of heat online for what had happened on day one at York. Very different story on day two. So I, I walked, and I knew I was going to meet her. I always planned to go again uh, to watch 1500s. Um, and she said, um, well, I just, I just need to know, I need you to know what happened last night. Some, some Guelph parents were, were threatening to have a confrontation with you. And I wanted to prevent that for everybody's sake. Um, so I was asking you to leave, which immediately made no sense to me. If they're threatening to have a, dis- you know, disrupt the meet by confronting me, why don't you deal with them? So it made no sense. She was, she was kind of apologetic, but she said she had to have York staff with me the whole time on Saturday while I was watching to prevent York or sorry, Guelph parents from, uh, from confronting me, but I never got any sense that a Guelph parent was going to confront me. I don't even know if most of them would recognize me. Um, and we were nowhere near a Guelph parent. I don't know who was in those stands. It was the usual uh, assembly of parents from different schools. So I had to have York uh, staff stand beside me and my group like the whole time while we were on 1500s, which was, which was again, uh, you know, a bit of an indignity to face when you're just quietly trying to watch your athletes who, who've actually requested that you be there because you've worked with them all season and so on. So it, it, it did go fairly smoothly, but still not without that, that little indignity of having been, having to be watched by, uh, by York security. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I didn't want to make conversation because, you know, I, I was just, I was just relieved to, to be able to be there and watch my athletes. And then we just left right after the 15 hours. So now we're about a, a week removed from that time, which I think was a pretty tense situation for everyone. And I know I was there at York, I was doing commentating and everyone was kind of walking on eggshells, uh, not really sure what to say or how to act. But now that a week has passed and the dust has settled a bit, um, what, are, what are you taking away from, from this last week? How, uh, how are you proceeding right now? Um, well, I'm proceeding, um, you know, by helping my athletes uh, pursue my reinstatement because um, I think there's there are serious serious questions around the circumstances of my of my firing um, and so I'm aiding with that and uh, you know trying to put my thoughts together and, and uh, share media and, uh, and you know communicate generally how how things are with me at the moment um, there it, it was a crazy week I think people kind of lost their their heads over it to some extent I don't think, feel like I ever did my certain my athletes didn't um, you know, even even the Guelph people who complained about that Facebook thread have said that I shouldn't have been fired. So I mean, it's confusing, disorienting for them. Um, the intransigence of of Queens and Men, their unwillingness to even discuss that possibly having made a mistake, their unwillingness to actually reveal any evidence of the of the of the complaint that the uh, complaints they've made against me and the rationale for my firing is is extremely upsetting and disorienting. Um, you wonder, you start to wonder, is it just that they don't want to climb down or? Um, they really somehow do believe that in this, there's this world in which I go around berating, what is the phrase, berating and bullying uh, student athletes. Um, you know, maybe they believe there's a world where I do that, which is a complete, complete contradiction, a complete contrast to the way I actually run my, my program and my relationship with actual flesh and blood on the ground student athletes. So yeah, it's just been disorienting and stressful and it's been really stressful to actually watch the effects on my athletes. And you wouldn't believe how far they ripple out, uh, you know, there's the athletes on my team, but then there's athletes in my club who are very upset. They just can't, they, they can't put together kind of what's going on. The, the levels of irony are just so many and so thick that it's just insanity inducing. So I have a lot of them. So I couldn't even really train. I mean, 
Lindsay Tesse sent me a beautiful note saying, like, I'm just like, I'm sick to my stomach. I can't even run. I have athletes breaking down in tears on runs. It's not, they feel, they don't feel sorry for me because they know I can handle this sort of stuff. It's just that the sense of injustice and irony um, is just overwhelming, has been overwhelming some people. So my thoughts are mostly with them because I am who I am. Like, I can, I can handle myself and deal with these things. And however, you know, it shakes out, it, it does. But I really feel bad for the effects it's having on my runners because this is all about just, this is all only ever just been about running. Um, so it's insane that people are being put through through this and it's actually had a triggering effect on some of my athletes I mean Clara Langley wrote a beautiful um open letter to Queen's powerful smart letter to to Queen's talking about her experiences and this has been a very rough like couple of weeks for her for someone who's already been through a lot so that my thoughts are mainly with them like I, I, in some ways I feel like you know I, I, I triggered all of this but then on the other hand that I really I'm just being me, the same me that didn't I've been that way since for fifteen years. I was I was posting a line and commenting and trying to kind of lead lead thought in my, my sport community since two thousand five. So I haven't done anything different. Um Queen just suddenly decided it's different. Guelph decided somehow it's it's different. I don't know, because they're vulnerable or something. So it's not really my fault. Um it's it's the fault of, of others really have decided that that running and coaching and running great programs is not important. It's uh you know, the reputation or the the risk of complaints or who knows that we have to have to ask them. So yeah, that's a long, long winded way of saying that's how things are with me. I'm fine, but uh, more or less in that, but my, the people around me are, are under serious strain. I want to go into the reaction of, of the general running community because it's been pretty substantial, but first about your athletes, the current, the current athletes on the Queens team, I'm going to talk to Miles Brackenbury. So first year, uh, from Queens in this in this podcast, so it'll be interesting to to get to see what he has to think. But uh, things seem to be moving, at least on the athlete side, a whole lot. It doesn't feel like they're seeing it as a closed case. So I think Tuesday of this week, so four or five days ago, they met with the athletic director. Um, are you in close contact with many of them? Um, well, actually, they met with the uh, with the provost, who actually provost. has now has been revealed to be the person who pulled the trigger on the termination. Um, so yeah, I'm in close contact with them. I've had several, we've had several meetings there. Um, I just said to them the other day that if this had to happen, um, you know, at all, I'm glad it happened with this cohort of leaders on the team. They're phenomenal. Like it's been a phenomenal season. In some ways I think, you know, I've had to go out. It's a good season to go out after, but they, they've run great. They're, they're incredible leaders, such smart people. And so determined, they have a very clear sense of what's going on. There's very little dissent. Like they're pretty much a, you know, operating as a unit uh, together around this, and they're super determined, and they're they're trying to be creative about it. They're articulate. They're um, they're under control. They're not. You know, they're, I guess that we they were a little emotional the first few days, but now they're everything has been channeled. So yeah, I'm in regular contact with them. I had a meeting with before I came down to Atlanta for for about an hour where we sort of hashed things out about you know next steps and so on. So they're pretty determined because I think they feel like they're right. They've read everything I've ever written. Um, they know that I don't berate and bully, uh, whatever the phrase is, student athletes is absurd. Um, and so they wonder how it is that Queens has been able to, uh, to make these claims and stick behind them. They had a meeting with the provost that which they, in which they said, it's hard to believe these people are even adults at times, their inability to answer basic questions and provide information, their lack of respect for the program and the athletes is palpable. They really don't care what happens to this program. Um, they don't care what happens to financially, athletically, they don't care what happens to the athletes. Uh, which has been my sense, to be honest, for like 10 years, they really don't value 
what what I and what this program brings to the university. They just they simply don't because they they just threw it away, uh, seemingly without any real attempt to investigate. You know, kind of what was going on. They got complaints, granted, fine, but they didn't seem to investigate. Certainly, never really spoke to me about the nature of them or how many there were. They, I don't think they followed up with the people themselves to say like, you know, what else might you know, what else might you be pursuing here? Because really, honestly, I, I, I try to imagine what sort of a person when having a dispute with someone online that was it's maybe heated and so on and acrimonious to some extent, what kind of person would screenshot that and send it to someone's employer? I really wonder, and I, I think they should have wondered that as well. Like, what sort of person, what are they after? What kind of person would do that? Especially when they have all these other options for blocking or ignoring or unfriending or whatever. So they never asked any of those questions. So my students saw that and just thought, you know, it's ridiculous. It's actually emboldened them. They're actually more determined to get this overturned because when you see one inconsistency, one contradiction, or one, you know, um, one bad answer around a, on a particular question, you realize, okay, this is a house of cards. You know, it's, it's got to come down at some point. So they're pushing as hard as they can. So that being said, if Queens extended the olive branch and gave you a chance to apologize, come back, would that be something that you would go for? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, it's, it's against my, it was against my nature to even accept uh, a line in the sand where, you know, I forever could not send an email or comment or leave a voicemail about what's what's shaping up to be the biggest issue in our sport community since maybe since Ben Johnson. I don't know. Um, it went against my grain to even do that. Uh, but I did it for my athletes. I would do anything for them, almost anything for them. Um, when I agreed to shut up, I thought, okay, this can't possibly, they can't possibly stop commenting on this for forever. Um, but I thought I'd have to do that short term uh, and then make a plan. But I did it even agreed even short term for them. I should have walked out of the office and said, you just can't do this. Um, so yeah, I would. Um, you know, I would, I, I put up with some, some stuff in that athletic department for for the past few years. Um, so I could probably put up with more for their sake. It just so happens that our program is at a kind of high watermark right now that the kids are awesome. And, you know, we won the women's side last year and we recruited well this year. So I would, I would go back for all of that and, and try to make amends with the people in the athletic department if it ever happened. But, um, you know, we'll see. And if, if you were given the chance to apologize, and you've been really versed in the conversation and on, on Mildred's post and beyond. Um, what is it would you apologize for? Were there some some unforeseen consequences of the posts that you made? The, the word re-traumatized has been thrown around a whole lot. Um, is that something you've given some thought to? Yeah, well, I definitely would apologize to some people in that thread. You need to realize there were a lot of people eventually uh, you know, piled into that thread. Um, but I'd make one clarification first. Uh, the people who said they were they'd be re-traumatized didn't say my comments re-traumatized them. They said if their titles were vacated, that would re-traumatize them. So, and that's that's fair enough if that's your response. I was just throwing out an established remedy that's been used in the NCAA. If that re-traumatizes you losing your titles, um, that you know that's your business. Others in that thread I would not apologize to because I don't think they were processing trauma or grief. Um, you know, I won't name names here, but. You know, some of them had known about the, the, you know, the story was coming out, been, you know, was in the works for, for weeks, maybe months. So I don't see how the story appearing in print suddenly is going to trigger this great trauma. Um, and then, of course, some of them had been involved in the program from the early days and worked very closely alongside Dave in a professional capacity. And are now like adult, they're middle-aged people. I, I'm not going to apologize to them for anything I said in that thread, but, but the people that first replied um, – 
you know, the, the, the female alum who are great runners and, and re- really nice people and well-meaning. Um, if that discussion, those questions were too soon for them uh, because they, they were also victims to some extent of, of uh, the Dave Scott Thomas regime, I would absolutely apologize to them for being premature on that. I still think these are questions that need to be asked um, <clears throat> and that they, they should be ready to ask them at some point. If people say something's too soon, often that means it's never going to happen because you know, then, it, then it's too late. It goes from too soon to too late. Uh, nobody wants to talk about it anymore very quickly. Uh, but if they felt like that was too soon, um, and again, I was the first person to post, so I didn't know how it was going to go. And I was responding to what seemed like a kind of invitation from Robin to think about the larger picture. And, and I think one post I say, if this is a real moment of honesty, which I saw Robin's post as being like an honest reflection, then we're, then everything is on the table. We need to think about everything. Like to what extent it was a culture and not just a one bad man who created that. And a culture means other people participate, see it, negotiate with it, um, uh, create, create their own terms to deal with it uh, because they get a little here and they lose a little there. Everybody's gaining something to some extent. So um, everything needed to be on the table. <clears throat> that discussion had to happen at some point, but if it was true, if it would seem premature to some people, particularly the, the female alum who were the first to reply, I would absolutely apologize. I apologize right now to them. Mm-hmm. So, but I would certainly be willing to do it in writing in any other form they want. I would meet them in person and tell them because I know that they – they were victims of that regime as well. So now that you're looking back, do you think it would have been perhaps more effective to send a private message to Mildren, or do you think that would have undermined the purpose? Why the decision to write on the comments? Well, it's hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, to me, that was a that was she was putting it out publicly. When you post something on Facebook, you know you have or three four hundred friends. You know that a certain number of them are going to see that. Um, you can't say, oh, well, I, I thought it was only going to be, you know, Guelph alum or people that were going to, you know, respond in a particular way. If you wanted to do that, you'd make a private group, basically, which I think they eventually did. Um, so hindsight is twenty twenty, but, you know, this is Facebook. When you put something like that out, you're going to get comments. I put things out, I get comments about politics or whatever. Um, I can't then decide that I didn't want that comment. And if I didn't, I could block that person. I actually did block somebody and remove their comments from a thread, one of my threads. So I know how that works. I'm sure she does too. So um, I don't have any regrets about that. Um, you know, and, and sending her a private message, well, that's, that's not the point. This is something that, that we, you know, they, to begin with, and then, then later we, as a whole sport community, need to grapple with. Like, there needs, to be, there needs to be some kind of response to a situation where, you know, a sociopath, more or less, was allowed to operate for 13 years and build a, a powerful program whose legacy is still it's still in evidence like that program is, is, is rolling on into the future, um, you know, winning titles and so on. It was a program that Dave Scott Thomas built and, and he was abusing people by their account, their own accounts, uh, you know, for 13 years. There's got to be some discussion about sanctions against that kind of that kind of a program. And surely they should pay something, um, you know, and we can be creative about how that happens. But I mean, that, that's a discussion that absolutely you know, needed to happen in a public way. Um, I'm just worried that if that it might never happen now, um, I don't see any moves at all for anyone to sanction Guelph, except for the call for the faculty call to investigate, uh, you know, the, to, to uh, inquire into the first so-called investigation in 06. Other than that, I don't see any moves whatsoever to, you know, to prevent something like this from happening again or to, or to, or to punish the institution of Guelph, you know, um, for, for letting it happen in the first place. And, and one of the things my AD said uh, initially was, well, that, that admin can't be blamed that 2006 is a whole bunch of different people. And I reflected on the fact that every time we gather at Queens, we do these acknowledgement of place. We acknowledge that we are on Aboriginal land. We're on the land of First Nations, which is often taken without, 
without consent. That's something that at Queens was done 200 years ago, and we still acknowledge that we have an institutional responsibility to acknowledge that. And here's here's my AD saying that, that an administration 13 years later doesn't have any responsibility for something that happened at the university, you know, 13 years ago. It's insane. Um, and I, yet you don't see any moves on their part to sanction. Where's the OUA? Where's the U Sports? Um, you know, if this was the NCAA, where no program is too big to sanction, and that's what I think Guelph is at the moment. It's just too big to fail, too big to sanction. Um, they would have they would have already imposed serious sanctions on this program. Um, probably far worse than anything I've I suggested in that thread. So, yeah. Right. So it's mm. kind of by that line of logic that you suggested that it would be important to vacate the titles. But I think what got people, mm. um, what got people to not like that comment was that it's somewhat inferred that athletes are are complicit and it's it's a punishment to athletes. And that was a big, um, that was a big pushback with that idea. Um, why do you think it would be so important to vacate the titles and in, in how complicit do you think athletes were in all of this? Well, that's two questions, really. I'll take the first one. First, um, um, vacating titles means that it's team titles that are vacated. So anything time that Guelph is on a thing, not individual names. So you're not, you're not vacating individual results. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, you take the basically the, the name off. Nobody pays any money and so on. Just to acknowledge that those titles probably would not have been won under, under, if, under the right circumstances. Um, and that it symbolically acknowledges that Guelph made mistakes and should should get these back. So all of the individual results and all the individual stats stand. Um, so it's not really a punishment of athletes; it's a punishment of Guelph. Uh, athletes get to keep their results, winners and so on, get to keep their their medals and so on. It's it's just it's anything that has Guelph on it should be removed. So the second part of the question is: um, to what extent do I think athletes are complicit? Well. Anyone who runs a university program or has been in one realizes that it is uh, that, re- that recruiting and building a team is a is a largely team effort. Now, there's a sense in which I think they were kind of claiming that they kind of formed a team outside of Guelph and then they all entered Guelph and then they won titles. The fact of the matter is uh, they were recruited one by one by a head coach and a staff. So and they were recruited and, and and athletes who aided in that recruiting process, many of whom knew what the culture of the program was like. Many of knew, many of them knew exactly from firsthand experience what Dave Scott Thomas as a person was like. So if you're, if you're welcoming new people into that program to build that program, to maintain its quality. And again, remember Guelph recruited from pretty far afield, like BC, New Brunswick, Quebec. Um, No other school has that kind of reach when it comes to recruiting. So they were going out of their way to, to pull good people in so they could continue to win. So anyone who knew what Dave Scott Thomas was like, or, or worse, had been actually been a victim of him themselves that invited somebody in without explaining that side of it was, was exposing people to potential abuse from a head coach. So to that extent, and, and again, I'm not naming names because I don't know who did that. I don't know who was in charge of recruiting, except for the staff. Obviously, they were. Um, but they know who they are, basically. And that was my point. They know who they are. It had to have been somebody because recruiting – is a team effort that happens over years and years and years. You don't form a team outside and then bring them in uh, en masse. They're brought in one by one in a chain kind of uh, process where one person gets recruited, they come to the team, they recruit people behind them and so on. And that's how you build however 12 championships on the women's side over the years. That took a lot of work. And it, 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 during those 12 years, there were people who knew Dave Scott, Dave Scott Thomas was not a good person. Like not, not just a maybe not your kind of coach, but potentially abusive and dangerous. And we have to realize grievous harm was done in that program. We're not talking about people who had a bad time. 
We're talking about people who are pushed to the brink. Um, honest to God, we're, you know, talk about Megan. We're, we're lucky that everybody out of that program is alive now. Um, we're just, it's just luck of, it's just luck or the testament to their strength. So this is, people need to keep that in mind when we have this discussion that it, you're feeling bad about it and you don't want to believe that you were complicit in some way, but grievous harm was done in that program. Somebody needs to be responsible for that. Take some responsibility for that. Starting, sorry, starting with the people uh, who were closest to it and had the most power. So someone who was close to the program and that he was there for a long time is Reed Coolsat. Um, however, when he spoke publicly, he said he was shocked about the things that happened in there and that he had no idea the extent of how bad it was. And your spat online was probably the most high profile one. And a lot of people saw a lot of people follow your activity and Reed's activity. Um, the latest I heard is that Reed was very surprised by the handling. He thought perhaps a suspension, um, a suspension from Queens uh, to you would have been sufficient. And I heard also that Reed, perhaps we reached out to the university. So have you two hashed things out? Have you two had discussions and, and kind of reconciled? Um, not really. No, I mean, I think Reed's still upset that I was pretty blunt with him. Um, and I leave it up to people to decide, you know, what they, what they think Reed's level of, you know, culpability or whatever is. I mean, he was, he was a bystander. There's no evidence that he actually aided and abetted anything. So I want to be clear about that. Um, Reed's not a principal uh, violator here, but it's just strange credulity to think that he spent 20, 21 years or more, like very, working very closely with this person through all of these events. And, um, you know, has nothing to say about it, you know, you know, just has just no reflections on it whatsoever to offer. So he's mad that I said that. And I don't, you know, I guess I don't blame him. Well, I do kind of blame him because he should examine his conscience. It's not for me to say other people can make up their mind about that, but I have really nothing more to say to read. And in the thread, I just said, you know, you can do what you want, but you have no credibility to talk about this issue or to console people about their trauma and so on. Like, where were you when it really really can. And again, keep in mind the harm that was done in this program, the harm that he would have witnessed. Um, he would have had to been almost willfully blind not to see or hear of uh, the sorts of things that were done. So I have nothing more to say to Reed. That's Reed's business. I did in, in our exchange, I did urge him to write a blog post because I said, you're a good blogger. Why don't you do that? I'll look, I'll, I look forward to reading with everybody else. Uh, that's a week and a half ago. Uh, there's been no blog post. Um, I also accused, I said, I don't even know if you're capable of doing it. So we'll see. You can prove me wrong if you want. So that's between he and I, and, you know, um, I have massive respect for Reed as an athlete, uh, but his leadership in the sport community in a time of crisis is just, is just sorely lacking. So um, I don't know if he'll ever, I mean, I appreciate that he's reached out and all that to clean if, if in fact he's done, and I'll take your word for it that he has, uh, but I, I haven't heard any evidence of that at all. So um, whatever, but that's, that's a secondary kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And let me clear up that, that from me, I haven't spoken, Spoken to read personally, so this is just hearsay. Um, so, mm. of course, take it with a grain of salt. Um, so, looking back now, we're a few days past this post, knowing the risk, I'll ask you again: Why was it so important to talk? And I guess more sh- more so, did this issue and your duty that you felt to talk did it transcend the importance of of your role as a university coach? It absolutely did, and that's what I explained to my AD, that they, they, they tried to just construe it as, a, you know, Queen versus Guelph. Somehow I was going to gain advantage or I shouldn't meddle in their affairs and so on. But I tried to explain both, like, my position. I'm, you know, it's kind of a senior person this part. I think I'm the oldest uh, U-sports coach right now. Um, I'm, I'm becoming one of the older, you know, uh, senior elite coaches in the country. It, you know, if I don't speak out, if someone like me doesn't speak out about these things, 
I, I mean, who does? Where does discussion start? And I see my role as often starting discussion. Um, I participate in them too, but I, I start difficult discussions, uh, which I think is the sort of burden I have to bear as a senior person who's been around since, you know, you know the Ben Johnson scandal. Um, so it does totally transcend that. Like we, we need vocal leaders in the sport. This is how we prevent these things from, from happening again. And I've said to many people over the past week, you know, I, I choose to err on the side of, of speaking rather than on the side of silence. Like, obviously, there are risks in speaking, and we're seeing them now, and people misunderstand, or it's, if the timing is wrong, or, you know, the, um, the, the message that you're trying to send is, is missed somehow, lost in translation. But I would prefer to err on the side of speaking out and making mistakes and starting a conversation than silence. Like, silence is deadly. Things just pass. It's a busy world. The news cycle is furious. Uh, we just forget things, and it just sets up the potential for another, another kind of you know, Speed River, Guelph's kind of, kind of abuse scandal. We, we see them all the time, and we don't talk about them enough when they're actually happening in the aftermath. We don't draw a lesson from them. We don't talk about how to prevent them. We basically leave that to the authorities. I mean, that my AD's position, I think, is that, you know, all the change needs to come from the top all the time. Basically, you know, we, we discover a thing. We, we pass a few measures and codes of conduct and, and it comes from education programs, and that's it. I have a different view. I think change comes from the bottom. It comes from people discussing issues, and, and then the solutions are basically handed to administration, hand, are handed upwards rather than downwards. Because I think the problems are, are mostly within the tend to be in the, within the culture of the sport. Like Guelph had all the same protections that that we have and that we've always had in terms of the capacity of athletes to go and blow whistles and so on, and and otherwise make complaints about about the university. But it didn't happen there. So why didn't it happen there? The problems are obviously at, at a lower level. They're they're at a cultural level. They're an athlete to athlete level. You know, the people whisper about things and don't talk about them. So that's where the cop, that's where they, that's how we fix them. We fix them at that level. Is that difficult? Um, is it going to get people in trouble to some extent? Yeah, it absolutely is. But again, keep in mind what we're trying to prevent. Keep in mind the kind of devastation we're trying to prevent. Because it, it's, there's not, there's, that's not too strong a word. It's devastating when people get away with abuse. People die as a result of this stuff. So um, it's, I just, that's my, that's what I see as my duty. And if not me, then who? You know, I, I could look to somebody else, but you know, everyone's looking to somebody else. So, guess what? I'm just going to do it. I just dive in like I always do. And uh, those difficult discussions, you've been uh, in, at the heart of a lot of them in the last decade. Let's see. Um, so, this isn't to incriminate you. I don't think I'm teaching any, anything anything new to anyone here. But you're very vocal <laughs> on tracky, and you've been um, you've bet like bet money on your own athletes before to prove a point. Um, you've used some mm -hmm. profanity online. You would regularly yeah. get in some heated spats with users on Tracky, usually anonymous users. Uh, form, uh, mm -hmm. and, and I should mention, I guess, that it's a form that some university coaches use, but not all of them. Yet, um, over all those years, you said you were never warned by Queens about your, your, your presence online. It's just now. We had we had discussions about it here and there um, when they would get they I think it's three or four times um, they got complaints about something I said online and it, it wasn't what you think it was it wasn't about use profanity and all that it was one I, I called out a you know officer for for getting a convicted doper to hand out medals at officer so I got called in on that one uh, another time I said something I didn't name the people but I I used uh, you know, a phrase to describe the people who started the uh, started the or amended the rules for club athletes to participate in offsa they increased the, the practice requirement it's an arcane discussion about the 16 and i said something insulting about those two without naming them one of the, one of the two actually recognized himself in the characterization 
and complained to my AD and she said, well, you, can, you can't really say that about people kind of online. So I didn't even name them. So there were discussions, but no, like no formal warnings. They usually, they don't pay attention to any of this. They don't know I'm doing it um, until they get a complaint. And typically they just don't want the complaint. They don't vet the complaint. They don't say, is this a vexatious or frivolous complaint? They just say it's a complaint. We don't want complaints. We don't want you posting online because it generates complaints. Otherwise, we don't care. If there was never a complaint, we wouldn't care what you said. So, um, yeah. So the, the so the Guelph stuff really escalated because I think Guelph, you know, athletes complained and they were in a vulnerable position. She thought at that time, being in the midst of the scandal. So yeah, um, yeah, I am who I am. Like I, I like, I really value courage, and I see anonymous posting as the most craven thing that that there is, particularly on big issues. So yeah, I'm I'm not an outspoken person. I'll call that 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 whoever that person might be out, um, whoever they might be known, they knew who they are. Because um, I despise cowardice and I love courage. Um, I love people when, when people speak out. Um, I don't think you ever find an instance where I, um, ha, you know, spoke spoke firmly. I'll call it uh, to somebody who was posting under their own name, uh, you know, on a registered account under their own name. It just doesn't happen. Um, and you can look at my Facebook conversations as well. And, to uh, see how I deal with people who are identifying themselves as right. utmost respect. I have very, very little respect for, for people who speak out online anonymously, unless they have a legitimate use for that. But people who argue with me or, or take shots at me anonymously, um, the, the gist of what I tell them is you're a coward. You're not constructive. You're not building the sport community. You need to do better. That's, that's the gist of everything I've said. Do I use strong language? Anyone who knows me knows I do. You know, it's all I can do in this conversation, <laughs> not to use strong language, but that's just who I am. That's how I grew up. Uh, you know, I'm a passionate person and sometimes it spills over into that, but I may have other words too. So, but sometimes the, sometimes the profane ones are, are the best. So on, on perhaps a more positive note, I guess you've established yourself as maybe the, uh, the greatest promoter of, of free speech in the world of running in Canada. Uh, so hence that distaste, distaste uh, for the anonymous trolls. But I'll ask you now because, you know, you tried to speak freely. Uh, there was some backlash. Uh, you're saying it's probably because the outle- the athletes uh, spoke out in this case that, that made this case different from other cases. But do you think eventually we can find a place of completely um, unfiltered discourse online in the world of running in Canada or and beyond? Or do you think that, that it inevitably will come with problems? Can we achieve that? Oh, well, small correction. Athletes didn't. Well, I guess they're athletes, but they're alumni. They're, 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 yes, they're yeah, athletes, yeah. student athletes in the way that I am, like mm-hmm. I went to university too. So there's, there's that, but can that happen? Um, yeah, I, I think it can. I mean, it's going to be, it's, you know, it's going to be rough. It's going to be, you're going to have to take it warts and all, you know, um, people need to be, be able to speak freely. There's with, for all the chaff, you know, uh, on message boards, like let's run and so on and, and tracky, there's a lot of wheat there. Um, there's a lot of good stuff and I just don't see the alternative. Like the, the public square now is is electronic. It's online. Um, and we just need a place to be able to talk about these things. I just think about the alternative, which is no one talks about anything. And we just look to uh, look to our federations, look to um, the media to get a hold of things and discuss them. It's just not it's not going to be sufficient. Um, we need to be able to hash things out. Um, and it, it, you know, it will be unvarnished. It'll be you know worse than unvarnished in some cases. And people can decide what their level of tolerance for that is. My level of tolerance is pretty high for it um, because I think that that more good comes out of it than bad. Um, I mean, I look at the U.S. like Let's Run. I think it's done as, as grotesque as that is, as successful that that can be. It's actually done a lot. It's done a service for the sport. I think the sport and you can track the the uh, 
the increasing you know, level of performance in the U.S. You know, from the beginning of Let's Run in 1998, you know, a lot of good information disseminated, a lot of a lot of problems kind of worked out, worked through uh, through those through those forms and and, on, and through the articles that they write and the reportage and all that. And it's a good thing in the end, uh, but people can't expect it to be polite all the time. You know, it's just not going to be. People feel strongly about things; they get angry and they say things. Um, but if they're getting angry because they care and not just protecting themselves or protecting something, you know, that maybe shouldn't be protected, uh, that's a good thing. People getting angry and then getting to a point where they can talk to one another and get beyond their, their anger, uh, is a good thing. And there's no way to, there's no, there's no way, other, other way I can see to, to make that happen other than through the kinds of mechanisms that informs and so on that we have now. Right. And, uh, speaking of the, those mechanisms, what is stopping you sports coaches from speaking freely about your situation? I think so far the only coach that has made a post on his own account was your former assistant coach and now current head coach at UBC, Brand Stachel. What are the other ones waiting mm-hmm. for? Um, well, here's the thing. I think mean, part of the reason I got into trouble is because nobody expects a sports coach to have anything to say. It just, it's just not part of the deal. Um, you know, They always tell athletes who speak up to shut up and play. Well, we get a version like shut up and coach um, overlaid with the sense of like, if you do say something wrong, um, you're, you'll be making your university look bad. Your university is your employer and they have a right to basically, you know, discipline you or up to the point of firing you for, for anything they think tarnishes the brand. So I think that's what's going on. I completely understand what's going on within those departments, like whether they agree or disagree with me or have something to say, they're not, they're just not going to feel free to say it. They're just not um, like I get, I get that they, they're not all going to support me. Nobody, there's never unanimity on anything, but it, it's again, strains credulity to think that none of them do. None of them have feelings about this. So there's got to be something going on. It just doesn't. It's like you hear a university that has 0% reported rapes, sexual assaults. You know that something's being covered up when there's zero. So, cause there's never zero mm-hmm. and shut up and coach. What's the danger of that? Yeah. Well, shut up and coach is that so we have uh, issues like this explode. People know things for years, see things, and they don't say anything. Um, you know, Dave, someone like Dave Scott Thomas thrives in that environment. Because if you remember, he, he was very closed mouth. He never said anything publicly at all. He basically had no leadership capacity whatsoever in spite of his profile in the sport. Like you, you show me one place where Dave Scott Thomas spoke out about the sport in Canada, um, spoke out about anything other than that how, you know, how good golf was and how, how to make golf better. Like everyone knows what his reputation is. It was, it was golf first, golf speed river first all the time. Um, so that's the danger. He thrives in an environment where, where coaches just coach and have nothing to say about the culture of the sport or the, the ways in which the successful programs are, are going about what they're, di- you know, they're doing, whether it be doping or abusing athletes or whatever. If we never talk about those things, they, ju- they just happen. He, he's someone like that. A sociopath just takes the line of least resistance. And the, the resistance would, would, you know, would come from the dissent of other coaches. Um, if it's not there, he just, he just doesn't care. Something like that just does not care. So what's the check on that? The check on that is, is coaches who actually have something to say about their sport community and sport culture. Right. So are we now in a position where we can identify the potential next Dave Scott Thomas situation, or are we not taking the right steps to identify it? I think we're still a long way from that because, of, you know, look what happened to me. You know, I mean, you can argue, but I went about it, you know, this way, wrong, the wrong way, this way or that. Um, but the fact is, what would have been the right way? Like, 
my AD said, if you say anything more about this, you could, you could say the most eloquent uh, thing in the world about this and you're still fired. So I, I just don't, I, coaches still don't see a way to do this. We just still don't see we have mechanisms to do this. So, you know, we could have a conference or something on safe sport where we could speak freely about these things in person. That would be great, but we need to do that more than once. Like it's just not in place. And the fact that the fact that golf hasn't even been sanctioned, like, you know, when did the article on Megan come out, you know, um, you know, the complaint about Dave was, was in the fall and there's nothing's been done. Guelph hasn't sanctioned it, its track program. No one has sanctioned Guelph. What kind of a message does that send? Um, that it's just, you can do this and you remove the one bad man and everything's fine. Everybody goes about their business. That's, that's insane. There's, there's just, that is absolutely guaranteeing that there will be a next Dave Scott Thomas. And in your position right now, uh, you're currently on the outside looking in, but a huge uh, you've elicited a huge reaction from from viewers and fans and the athletes that you coach and colleagues. So there was a petition to reinstate you. Uh, last time I checked, there was over 4,000 signatures, um, many, many Facebook posts, uh, some that you've reshared, some long, um, almost emotional posts from some former athletes. You had some um, support from uh, the Canadian Association University of University Teachers, so the executive director, David Robert Robertson, sorry, said, free expression is crucial to the university. Academic freedom cannot thrive in an environment where free expression is suppressed. So he was in support of you. Um, you mentioned a few people who reached out to you, Lindsay Tessier. Um, anyone else reach out to you that, that marked you? Oh, uh yeah, well, I was I was most impressed by the people who reached out to me who who don't even necessarily you know agree with the things I say most of the time. And they just defend you know the need to be able to to say difficult things. Um, so yeah, and people I've never met who just only know me through you know my social media persona. I, that just sort of shows that obviously that the dominant sort of theme in my social media profile is not going around you know berating and bullying or whatever the phrase is. So people who just know me from that have a positive sort of positive image of me. So those kinds of, I want to name names, but I've had some brilliant, beautiful letters that, that sort of put it together better than I ever could as to what's really going on and what's at stake. So there are dozens, dozens of letters. And um, how do you feel about the general response of the running community? Does that kind of give you hope that they kind of have the right people in place to, to move forward eventually? It does. Like it, it's not like I, you know, I wish it, I, I'm glad it happened because of this, but if it did happen, I'm, I'm glad that, that it's created a kind of moment of clarity. People can really think about, you know, how they feel about, um, you know, the state of the sport culture right now um, and how they feel about, you know, the, the, the importance of free speech and so on um, or as a remedy for, you know, some of the darkness that we see in the culture. It's been a great moment of clarity for people and, and, and you know, um, provoked a lot of strong emotion, which all of which is positive. So um, there'll, there'll be a positive residue from all this. And it's, uh, you know, getting the job back is one thing, but, you know, there's a lot, a lot good that's happened that's going to that's gonna probably put us in a better place as a sport and sport culture in the next few years. So I would certainly love to just go back to normal doing what we're doing. But clearly the, the normal wasn't really, you know, wasn't sufficient. <laughs> we need to do better than that. But for my own sake and the sake of my athletes, I'd like just like to go back to, you know, the sport, which is what it's really all about. And it can be great. The sport can be great. You can drive a lot of meaning from it. Take a lot of pleasure in it. Um, if we don't have these other things, so yeah. And I don't think going with that one. But <laughs> and you're you're not you're not planning on leaving running anytime soon. I wouldn't imagine you've been you've been in the oh, community running. for no, a long time. Fact, yeah. You're running. Oh, you're coaching. You I'll see be that in the future. Involved. 
Yeah, I mean, I love running. I love athletes. That's where all of this comes from. I love athletes for what they do, and I, I love the sport. Maybe I love it too much, but uh, that's why I take it so seriously, which is probably why I get so passionate about it. But, yeah, no plans to leave running. Running is amazing. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a shame to see the grass grow up through everything we built at Queens because really that program will be, will be gone for all intents and purposes if I'm not there. That's a guarantee. So that's sad to see that because I think university sports are really important facet of the sport. So um, it's going to be really sad to see a great program go, especially ironically when the, the program built by the sociopath in Guelph is just alive and well. Like when the dust settles on this, there'll be one program that was crushed by this and it's mine, not theirs. And I guess to, to end off, has the experience changed you in any way? If something else happens, do you think you would have approached it differently? No, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, I know myself well enough to know that that's me. I'm always gonna, I'm always going to do that sort of thing. The more serious I thought an issue was and more important, the, the more passionate I would be about it. And I was just bound to if, – if that was the line the university was, was going to draw, like I couldn't comment on big stories and so on, I was always going to cross it. So it just – and, it, um, you know, an issue like the, with Megan – was, you know, that was bound to be the straw that broke the camel's back sort of thing. So I don't have any regrets. I was always going to do that. Would I, you know, would I have done it differently in hindsight? Maybe a little, but, you know, a little different here, a little the same there. Would have amounted to the same thing. It's not really important. The important, you know, the, the, the key thing is I was, I was always going to speak out. And if they weren't going to let me, it was always going to lead to some kind of impasse. So, yeah. Well, Steve, um, I'm happy that you came onto this podcast and I hope that it creates some good discussion in the future. Uh, once again, thanks a lot for being here and uh, actually I'll open it up to you. Is there anything else that you want to add before you head out to the Atlanta streets and cheer on the runners? No, I think I've said enough. I got to get on the train and get down there and watch the, watch the race. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me though. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. I'm here with first year Queens cross country and track and field runner, Miles Brackenbury. How are you doing, Miles? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Alex? I'm doing well. I know that you, you're watching uh, the U.S. trials very soon, or starting at 12, just about half an hour, so I appreciate you being here with me this morning. Um, Miles, you've had a pretty busy last few weeks. Uh, despite your, your, your uh, young age on the team, you've kind of held a leadership role in your dealings with the administrations uh, concerning the firing of your coach, Steve Boyd. So how about you just take me through um, what's happened so far? I know you've met with the authorities ever since he got fired. Um, the The athletes weren't really down for that. So tell me a bit about um, your meeting with, with the athletic direction. Yeah, our initial meeting uh, it hit us like a, a slap in the face. We weren't really given much warning or any sort of premise of, of what the meeting was going to be about. So the initial shock um, and disappointment in, in the decision uh, was quite overwhelming for, for everyone. Lots of tears, lots of confusion, and, and an overall feeling of, of neglect from the team as we just felt that this decision must have, have been a mistake, and, and we maintain that. Uh, and just the fact that no justification was presented and uh clearly the people bringing the news were um were just were messengers who had had been instructed on this and and knew a, a bit more but not the 
whole picture. So it was, it was a lot of frustration from that meeting. I, I basically went directly to the, the Queens principal's office, seeking support, trying to figure out who to reach out to. And, and at that point we were all had a very uh, different impression of, of what had gone on. We, we were just so confused and it was just pure emotion kind of coursing through, through our veins as we all uh, know what great a coach uh, Steve is and, and how amazing he is to all of us and what great things he's brought to the, the running community. So we, it was a pretty devastating meeting. And, uh, and when we kind of got ourselves composed, we immediately started reaching out to all of our supports and it's been incredible the support that we've got from across the country uh just people who who know steve people who uh believe in uh these issues and countless numbers of of support our petition is climbing at over 4200 signatures which we we started up i think within less than 24 hours we had 2000 and it still continued to climb from there uh, and that petition is calling for his reinstatement so since then there's been a huge influx of letters of support and concern um, in regards to the, the decision and uh, we we heard back from our letter from the office of the provost so the provost is the person at queen's who's responsible for overlooking uh the majority of the of university activities and uh we met with them on tuesday and uh we hadn't heard from the principal's office so i just this week we went to the principal's office kind of looking for their take on this issue and it and it looks like we're uh, going to organize a, a second meeting um, next week. So the reception of the meeting um, of last Tuesday. So tell me again, it was uh, the provost and how many athletes came with you? It wasn't just yourself? No, yeah, we, we had almost the entire team there. Obviously, um, some people had commitments to midterms uh, and unfortunately could make the meeting, but... I think 90% of the team was in attendance and uh, the objective of the first meeting was to have the, them explain themselves, explain how this decision was made and, and their justification, all the things that had us feeling um, so lost after the first meeting where none of those answers were provided. It was simply a university decision, uh, which left people not knowing where to go and not knowing who to address their concerns to. So that Tuesday meeting sense that they, they provided some answers, but their justification remained um, very uh, unsettling as it seemed to show that the, uh, the background knowledge and the, the context of everything was still being uh, misconstrued in that people may have been briefed on this issue, but not necessarily read or uh, completely understood 
the issue in the in the broader context. So that uh, that was uh, concerning, obviously, because I, I like to think that this decision never would have been made if people completely understood what was going on and understood what we as athletes and what other people in the running community uh, need. Uh, because if, if they did really understand and they still made that decision, then um, I would I would lose faith in humanity. But I think it's just uh, the problem of, of misunderstanding and uh, relaying information up different levels uh, ends up in a in a loss of understanding of, of the important issues here. Yeah, and the decision um, was, I think. A lot of people found the decision to be a bit brash. Even the people who seemed to disagree with uh, Steve at first with with uh, his comments on Facebook and I guess perhaps the the quickness of his comments following that Globe article, even those people, a lot of them came forward and thought, wow, you know, I, I don't think I would have fired the guy. Perhaps a suspension uh, would have sufficed, but I think most people thought it was quite brash. Um, what message do you think that sends to the running community when, you know, this coach is very outspoken, um, perhaps goes a bit rogue from from the university's uh, um, uh, comments and at least um, directions or instructions, let's say. Um, what message do you think that sends, that he gets tapped on the finger so hard? Yeah, I, I think it sends a, a horrible message, basically saying that uh, you, you can't uh, speak up on, on important issues and if you do, you uh, basically have to stay within an extremely uh, set boundary and, and that any, any swaying from that is going to result in the harshest of, of consequences. I think it doesn't encourage people to uh, share their stories, um, something that is so important um, on this issue. And also just uh, the, the rashness of the decision shows uh, a lack of consideration of, of athletes and, and also uh, what, what people wanted because uh, firing uh, from, uh, we've heard from all sides, uh, even people who have never once in their life uh, agreed uh, on an issue with, with Steve. They, they just have, are in an uproar that this was, the the decision that the the university made because there were so many other ways and to to deal with this and and right now what myself and my teammates are holding on to is is those other solutions could still be the right solution and uh we're we're trying to show uh queens how they can uh do the right thing and and that it's not necessarily too late they acted rash, uh, rashly maybe um, because some information wasn't on the table but now that it is and, and they re- realized the importance of this conversation that hopefully that can be corrected what could be another um, what, what could be another course of action well well one thing obviously you mentioned like a, like a suspension would have seemed like slightly uh, more more reasonable or just extending um, like our, our thoughts and concerns because 
right now, obviously our team uh, is, is hurting greatly and the Canadian running community is uh, hurting greatly. And, and something that, that Steve mentioned to me is, is he wants to host a, like Canada safe sports talk uh, on this issue where people can talk in person in a safe environment where uh, they can express their experiences, their concerns, where they're coming from and where no one is going to be um, feeling like their voice isn't heard or feeling um, uncomfortable because, and I think that's what, what everyone is really looking for, for to rec- to have their feelings understood and, and not to fire people, to separate uh, athletes from a coach who respects them and, and treats them um, like equals, but to actually bring people together and, and talk on this issue and, and not condemning people for talking, but just recognizing how we need to be aware of, of everyone's uh, different perspectives and that ultimately we need to hear all of those moving forward to make sure that these horrible things don't happen again in our sports or in other sports. What, um, what did Steve mean to you or what does he mean to you as a coach? As a coach, Steve represents everything that uh, anyone would want to be. And I don't know if I can ever get there. I don't know if I could ever be, uh, as strong as Steve and as as fearless uh, as he is, and but I think he does have uh, uh, essence to him. Just that he's here to do the right thing. He's here to help you become the best person you want to be, and and he's always been someone who just says it. Uh, as it is, and he's open to to discuss things, and and that's great. As an athlete, just having a coach who you can go to with anything, and and just talk it out. And uh, if you don't want to talk about it, that, that's okay. But but when you're ready, uh, you know that that he's there for you, and he he can he can talk for for hours. A lot of people find that they get to know Steve the best when they drive with him to a race because you just have the most interesting conversations. He imparts uh, any bit of wisdom he has to you. Uh, he, and you, you come out of that car uh, just with a, a new idea of whether it's running or um, an, another issue that you've been talking about. You just come out feeling like, uh, a very positive outlook on on debate and and just knowing that yeah if we if we talk about these these things then we can learn so much from them and you mentioned the a car ride so when you went down to york university for the oua championship i assume you were on the queen's bus and steve drove there separately, drove there as uh, a spectator. And we talked, you and I, uh, I I think on day two of the OUA championships. And uh, that was after all of that happened at York. So Steve and I talked about this in our conversation. And he was asked to leave 
on day one. So you, they, they wouldn't even let him uh, be in the facility. And meanwhile, you, the, all the athletes are there. Queens, Mitch DeLang wins the, the 1500, uh, a lot of good performances from the Gales. Kara Blair had a great weekend. Um, and I remember talking to you, you were pretty distraught. Uh, most athletes were, were pretty distraught. Um, what was the atmosphere like among the team when you were together after your, your coach, um, your non-official coach, but your, your coach was asked to leave the premises? Yeah. Friday night was an all time low for our team. Uh, the, the cool down after the men's three K, um, was everyone just thunderstruck, uh, like some people crying some people uh, their voice just cracking when they try to express how they feel and uh one one of my teammates said it right uh like we just felt like we'd been treated by dirt because someone who was so important to us and uh who uh, we needed to to talk to um had totally been been violated um and it was it was just d- distressing to to have that happen because up until that point we had been getting uh, so much support even upon arriving at the meet. Obviously, it was difficult for all those athletes, but just some other uh, schools reaching out to us uh, and uh, just uh, saying that they, they that we were in their thoughts and, and that they they were on our side. That had all been positive, and then for that to happen, it just left us feeling uh neglected and and really really upset overall and and it really uh was too bad because there were so many amazing results uh at OUAs for some of our athletes some of them was first time on the podium some of them it was like the the way to end their careers and and all of that was kind of taken away uh because of of that situation so you and the team want boyd to be reinstated boyd himself wants to be reinstated uh he says he's ready to apologize to certain people for for comments if need be but if he's not reinstated and if he doesn't become coach again what does the team do yeah that's the that's the hardest thing right now our our team has really been been coming together and and we know that coming out of this uh we're going to be stronger whether we're we're together or not obviously some people have already looked at um like moving and and there's a a lot of discontent with with this decision and uh i i must say someone like steve is is someone that you you stand by because he stands by you and uh numerous testimonies have come out most recent uh amazing read uh the open letter by Clara Langley like he's he's the type of person who stands by his athletes through through the roughest times so ultimately our team believes we need to stand by him and and if and if we can't have him reinstated then i think we're gonna have to uh take a stand on that issue and it looks like uh the while while queens is committed 
to still having a program, uh, I don't know they'll have anyone running for it. Well, Miles, um, I wish you and the team all the best with this issue moving forward and with running beyond that. I guess I, it's time I let you go because uh, we have some Olympic trials to watch, uh, <laughs> me in Toronto yeah, and yourself yeah. in Kingston. But uh, again, thanks a lot for, for being on and um, best of luck to, to the Gales moving forward. Yes, thank you very much, Alex. And uh, yeah, enjoy the, enjoy the trials. Thanks a lot for listening. If you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe to our newsletter at usportsthexc.substack.com or to our parent publication, which is thexc.substack.com. You can also follow The XCORG on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, Substack, the website newsletter that we use, now has a comment section. So if you want to keep the conversation going, let us know what you think. Thanks again for being here, and until next time.